0: Brand new studio. Um, second line, still a lovely sponsor, but uh, we have a new sponsor here in the studio. Uh, myself, Zach Barry, your host. Uh, pleased to welcome in Davis McCord State Farm as the new host of the studio. Uh, kicking things off with a bang here as we're in 2021. We just wrapped up National Signing Day uh, and heading into uh, the home stretch of basketball and then the start of baseball season. So thanks to Davis um and state farm for sponsoring the studio with that said we're going to bring in our guest here to break down national signing day 2021 tucco all-american welcome in how are you
1: hey man doing well pretty excited after yesterday it's uh it's it's funny i think this is something lane kiffin alluded to in his press conference but it's funny to uh have a day a whole day where you sign one person uh but man what a person that was yeah
0: yeah, he, he he alluded to uh, like the NFL draft, like it was like your one draft pick for the day, which That's I right. thought was, which was a pretty cool way to look at it. But yeah, I mean, if that was the case, um, I mean, Ole Miss hit it out of the park, I, I, literally and figuratively, with Taiwan Malone, who uh, nice. does that quite a bit. <laughs> um, Ole Miss finishes as I'm looking at it right now, um, 18th in rivals team rankings. Uh, I'm going to pull up. The composite for two four seven, um, good Probably eighteen over there. So seventeen the on ESPN. Oh, okay, perfect. So consensus top twenty class. Uh, I believe the statistic I saw yesterday was the twelfth top twenty five class in the last twenty years. Um, so yeah, I cool. mean that,
1: that, that's not all that good though, right? Like, <laughs> I mean,
0: it's, I not, think it's not it's not great, but it's not bad.
1: Yeah, Um, especially with how the last couple years
0: have been, Mm -hmm. and then you got I guess uh, a couple uh, Houston Nut seasons mixed in there, right? I guess just one. Since we're doing ten years, God, two thousand eleven was ten years ago. That's insane. Um, Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're not going to bury the lead anymore. Taiwan Malone, four-star defensive tackle out of Oradell, New Jersey, Bergen Catholic High School, signs with Ole Miss over Texas A&M. You and I were talking the last couple days, Um, I don't know about you. I, from the couple people that I had spoken with um, over the weekend, especially after his visit, a lot of people thought Ole Miss had kind of put a bow on it. Everything was good. Baseball staff did a tremendous job uh, helping out the uh, football staff here. Last couple days, though, Texas A&M turned up the heat. I know that uh, you and I were talking to several different – different people about this and everybody was kind of like, yeah, we feel good, but we don't feel great. Um, but hell of a job to hold off the Aggies.
1: Yeah, no, the the, the people I was speaking with, or really one person, uh, suggested that towards the end it was uh, leaning A&M's way. And, uh, you know, based on previous experience of all these things where we think we have somebody locked up and then he doesn't announce until day of and then he doesn't tell our staff that he's committed. I mean, I just definitely expected uh, him him to sign with A&M. Um, extreme, and he, extreme Taylor Swift voice. I think I've seen this film before. That's right. Type, That's right. Type vibe. <laughs> but it, look, it worked out, and uh, you know, more power to him. He's he's certainly allowed to announce however he wants to tell whichever coaches he wants to, all that stuff. No problem. Yeah.
0: You <laughs> you and at I follow Yeah, you and I have followed recruiting for a long time. This was probably one of the better jobs that I've seen a recruit and his family keep things as tight and close to the vest as they did Um, all throughout the day yesterday. um, So we're recording this on Thursday, Wednesday on national signing day, it it was dead silent. And I mean, it depends on who you ask. Uh, I typically operate under no news is good news with recruiting. Now it, it can fluctuate with different, you know, it's case by case, but you know, a lot of the national guys that i talk to, they just said, you know, I know A and M's coming hard, but I don't have any reason to change my prediction yet because most national dudes predicted him to sign with Ole Miss. Um, but the the A and M smoke was very real. Um, Elijah Robinson is one of the best in the business, the defensive line coach in College Station. He obviously wanted Taiwan Malone really good, uh, really bad. Um, Jimbo Fisher, hell of a recruiter. I mean, they signed another top five class. They're they're doing a bang up job over there um, the last couple of years. But man, I. <laughs> What can you say about the job that both staffs, baseball and football, did to,
1: uh, to pull this off? Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's tough because whenever there's a signee like this, where you know he's a uh, super highly rated in football, and you know not as highly regarded, I guess, in baseball. Um, you wonder like how involved the baseball team actually was, you know, did they just say like, Oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll let you come to, to the, to the spring, you know, enter the spring with a chance at the team or something like that with this, that is apparently not the case at all. I mean, he is the the baseball team or baseball coaches, I should say, played a large part in his recruitment. uh, And you know, he's expected to be able to have a legitimate chance to showcase his skills. And, you know, once he has that chance, maybe he turns out to be really good. I mean, certainly he's got power. I think that yeah. usually usually guys like him uh, might struggle with like bat speed and things like that. And that, that could be the case. And we'll see kind of how he handles the curve, basically. Uh, curve balls and not fastballs. <laughs> But he could be great at it. I, mean, I have no idea. I, I, like I'm, I'm not great at scouting in football players, but I'm even worse at scouting baseball players. I have no idea what I, what what to look at there. I just enjoy the sport.
0: Yeah, I'll say this. I mean, he he's you know a top 65 recruit in football. Um, before he, you know, for those that don't know, he suffered a knee injury as a senior, cut his senior season short. Uh, it wasn't anything too devastating. I mean, hell, at this point, JUCO. Uh, knee, you know, ACL surgeries are pretty much as routine as going in to get a couple stitches. Um, modern medicine is is crazy. Um, he, he's expected to uh, even compete this year for Bergen Catholic in their baseball season in the spring. Um, so he should be full go um, on the knee. And again, everybody recovers differently. Um, some people take longer than usual. But um, I saw it in an interview yesterday at his at his signing party that he expects to play baseball. His baseball coach at Bergen Catholic said as much. So, um, but on the, on the baseball field, I mean, he's not a top 100 prospect by any means, but I mean, he's been on perfect games radar. Um, Teddy Cahill tweeted about him yesterday. He writes for baseball America. Um, so he's not, you know, just a big 300 pounder that just plays baseball to stay in shape. He's a legitimate baseball guy. I, I told you the other day, the comp that, that I've heard is kind of like a Ben Van Cleve, who plays at Ole Miss right now. Um, I also see a lot of like Michael Fitzsimmons, um, you know, a guy that could come in spot, you know, pinch it late, late in the game. You need to drive a couple runs in, or maybe late, you know, in a blowout win, you want to let a guy get up there and try to hit one as far as he can. Uh, Taiwan's going to be that type of guy. Um, now he might struggle a little bit, but hell, everybody struggles. Yeah. Um, it's, it's SEC pitching. I mean, it's virtually, you know, the minor leagues. Um, you know, I was on a podcast yesterday and I was, you know, saying, you know, Gray Kessinger barely hit, you know, his weight as a freshman. And then right. before he left Oxford, he was an All-American. So it's hard. It's hard for everybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to he's going to play. Uh, he can play some first base. He's super athletic. Um, and our own Gray Hardison put up a post today on the website, uh The top 10 home runs that he hit as a uh, high schooler. And uh, it's it's impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I I would just say that you know you mentioned that Gray Kessinger has had trouble hitting. Everybody has trouble hitting as a freshman, or almost everyone, I guess. Yeah, uh, Thomas Dillard uh, struggled. But the problem is that Taiwan Malone won't get fall ball. He'll be playing football. Sure, sure. And so you know his he has to learn during the season, uh, which is which is tougher. But I mean, I, I, I'm not counting the guy out. Like, sure, he's no he's welcome to and give it know, a shot.
0: Yeah, and you know, it, it certainly helps. And look, I think this was a huge a huge part of his recruitment. When he was on his second visit, he he might have done it on his first, but we don't I don't know this for a fact. But I know for a fact on his second visit, he was able to sit down, I believe he went out to eat with, with Jerry Neely and, and John Rice Pumley and just talk to them. Like, hey man, how do you manage both sports? How do you shuffle, you know, practicing football and then going over to Swayze to hit in the cages and things like that? So they were able to answer a ton of questions, tell him how they got acclimated to playing both, um, because uh, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, hell, there was—I'm um, drawing a complete blank on his name—but uh, there was a, a, an almost baseball signee um, that signed last year and just did, did not translate well to college, and he left. Um, and yeah. he was the highest—I uh, can't believe I'm forgetting his name. I'll find it here in a second. But yeah, the I, I don't remember his credit, name either.
1: Yeah, but I know who you're talking about. I,
0: yeah, the highest rated signee in the class and it just it just didn't happen. I mean, it's hard. Um, but look, I mean, I mentioned Michael Fitzsimmons as a comp because Fitzsimmons hit the ball, you know, had a ton of power, but he's also got some plate awareness. Um, this isn't just a guy that gets up there and swings for the fences. He's got some some ability to uh, you know, take his time, pick his spots, and uh this isn't a guy that's just gonna go up there and wail at the first pitch he sees and uh, you know, strike out in three pitches. He's got some discipline. Um, he can hit tall fields. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I more excited for what he can do on the football field. Cause I think that's where his future is. And I, I think he knows that, but like Ely, I mean, I think Ely's future is on the football field, but the guy loves baseball. So he's not going to give it up. And it's pretty cool that both coaching staffs are willing to, uh, to, you know, appease them and, and, and let them have a go at it. What's you... the guy's name?
1: Uh, That's right. Yeah. But would you say that it's, and maybe you haven't studied it uh, either, but would you say that it's fair to say Taiwan Malone is more of like a three outcome baseball player? You know, everybody talks about like the majors now, what they're looking for. I guess they're not looking for this, but the type of player they're often, they often end up with is like, he's either going to hit a home run, he's going to walk, or he's going to strike out. Right. I mean, would, would you say like, of course they're, you know, they're going to do a lot more than that, but those are like, you know, the, the most prominent things in, in their time at the plate. Uh, I mean, would you say that he's, he's that kind of player? Like certainly he's, am I wrong in suggesting that he's not somebody who like hits for contact and, you know, hustles things out and, and gets on base?
0: Yeah. I mean, I was actually talking to somebody about that the other day with the Ole Miss lineup coming up in a couple of weeks when they get things started in Arlington they're probably going to have three or four guys that first, you know, first and foremost, hard contact up the middle, opposite field. Um, But the rest of the lineup, it's going to be launch angles. It's going to be, we're we're trying to hit the ball off the wall or hit it over the wall. Um, And that's just kind of how baseball has evolved over time. I mean, that's what the big leagues is now. Like you said, a a three outcome hitter. Um, They want some plate discipline, you know, you know, see fastball, hit fastball, but you know, be patient, work count. In um, Taiwan, you know, the the footage that I've seen of him in high school, he does that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's you hit it on the nose there. I mean, that's what he's going to do. He's going to be asked to go up there, drive runners in, hit the ball far, and uh, you know, work counts. And if you don't get your your pitch, um, you know, either try to hit the hell out of it or you know, get on base because mm-hmm. look, he's six four probably he's probably under 300 now he's probably about 285 290 i've seen him clocked as fast as 12 to 12.5 seconds home to third on a triple so he's not some stop sign on the bases now he's, he's a big guy but i mean he can run so getting on base is not the worst thing for him but yeah i mean i think that's exactly what you're getting out of him as a baseball player and then like i said he can play a little first base too
1: well, you know, it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned that about how, you know, he's, he can run and all that. I, I think that segues well into football. I was talking about him. I mean, when I look at his film, I, I said this in the Slack channel already, but when I look at his film, I mean, the thing that stands out the most is his agility. I just think that, like, mm-hmm. for 6'4", 300 pounds, his change of direction is crazy good. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the hardest thing I guess it, it, in my opinion it seems like that's one of the hardest things for uh, a defensive lineman to be able to like quote learn right like mm-hmm. the, the, they can be strong they can be big but uh he looks like he's really good at like adjusting when the ball carrier is you know like when the ball carrier has a stutter step or something like that like he's not a player who's just going to whiff because of things like that and we already know he's strong uh I guess we don't really know Or at least I don't know because I'm not. I don't claim to be good at that part. Uh, I I don't know what his hand technique is like, so uh, it's tough, tough to say. But if he's strong and agile, it's going to work out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know the I uh, rivals Northeast uh, national analyst Adam Freeman, who probably knows Taiwan better than anybody, being up there in the Northeast and um, talking with him a ton. Um, his kind of breakdown of him, um, that he put on, uh, on rebel Grove the other day, um, you ask about, you know, what kind of, you know, interior moves he might have. I mean, Adam spoke pretty highly of him. One of the things that stood out to me was he said, the strength and conditioning staff are not going to have to do much. I mean, he's already well-built. Um, it's not like he's, you know, this isn't like a demon clowny situation where he's got to get up there and put on some weight before he can compete. Um, you know, it, and that's, that's fine. That's, that's a lot of guys. I mean, I think uh, somebody I talked about yesterday that I think we'll see more of in 2021, Jack Brown, the linebacker out of Horn Lake, you know, he was a little behind the curve. He, he mostly played offense in high school, played tight end. He, he didn't play linebacker until he was a senior. Um, I think you're going to see more of him on the field. He mostly played special teams this past season, but you know, it takes guys a year and that's fine. I mean, it's, High level power five SEC football. It's hard to come in and play right away. But, you know, Adam Freeman spoke highly of him. He said his, his athleticism is uh, is going to bring a lot to the roster, um, creating chaos in the backfield, chasing down ball carriers. Um, and he mentioned, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And I know that's cliche, but he said, you know, he's excited to see, you know, how high his ceiling actually is on the football field because he has some advanced hand technique um he kind of understands leverage and balance you know he's huge um so he can more times than not bull rush and just kind of overpower someone but i mean he's what he did at bergen catholic is impressive because look he's not playing against you know some little bitty private schools i mean up there in new jersey i mean they played don bosco prep they play paramus catholic st peter's um paul pope john i mean they play some really good private schools and some and some schools that, that churn out power five athletes. So he's going up against some good offensive line, um, and he you know he he's got an array of moves. This isn't just a bull rusher or, or bust type guy. I mean he he's got some swim, and then you know he can move to the outside, um, which I think is going to be huge because as we move into talking about the class as a whole, you put Taiwan next to Isaiah Iton and Jamon Gordon, Demarcus Smith, Talik Robbins. I mean, all of a sudden, that front four, front three, whatever defense that DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge are going to run, you've got some legitimate dudes that can, you know, demand a double team, can get through, create pressure, create chaos, havoc, whatever. That was what was missing on this Ole Miss defense in 2020, and that was why they just got gashed over and over. And that's why, I mean, I'm on the opinion that the linebacker play suffered because there was nobody up there that demanded that double team.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, it's no surprise that suddenly – and I think we talked about this uh, back at the early signing day, but it's no surprise that suddenly Sam Williams and Lakia Henry weren't the super promising players that we thought they were when the defensive line was, was struggling so much. Like, it, it's tough for those types of players to really shine when there's nobody to take any heat off of of, of blockers. Uh, and, and, you know, Taiwan is another – Example of that. I think that, like, in general, uh, it's pretty tough to imagine the defense not being better, right? Oh I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, they lose roughly no one. Uh, I guess Ryder Anderson, um, but they get back plenty of great players. With I mean, not great players. They get back plenty of players with good experience, uh, and some of those are are very promising. Uh, and now you add in a whole group of defensive linemen who are highly regarded and could potentially step in immediately and, and really contribute. It just I, it's, it's tough to imagine the defense being as bad as they were or have been for the past however many years. People like to talk about uh, Luke's final year and how uh, the defense got better, but I mean, I think like better is hilarious when we were celebrating like what they were like the 75th best defense instead of the 100th. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Come on.
0: I mean, if they were 75 in 2020, you you, you might be, uh, you might be winning seven or eight games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point.
0: Which, Yeah. I mean, so I'm with you. I think the defense is, is going to be much better, um, I mean, I mentioned Iton and Gordon and Robbins, and you look at what they're adding, and I think that these are instant impact candidates here. I think Iton and Gordon are expected to compete for a two-deep spot immediately. Both of them, 6'4", 295, 280. You've got Malone at 6'4", 300. And then Talik Robbins, a guy that almost kind of gets overshadowed or forgotten, um, didn't play a senior season because of COVID-19. But, I mean, no slouch, 6'3", 280 a big, big interior presence. So, I mean, you're you're adding, and then we haven't even talked about Demarcus Smith, who can play a strong side defensive end at 6'4", 250, moves really well for that size. I mean, very long. You're kind of giving, you mentioned Sam Williams. You're giving Sam Williams a ton of help when you have somebody like that, that can just free him up to be one-on-one with a left tackle or a right tackle. And then Lakia Henry, um, Jock Jones, and, and the rest of the linebackers, they're not going to be, you know, getting swallowed up by linemen. They're just coming free at the second level, um, without having to even remotely worry about anybody um, up front. So, yeah, I mean, I think that this is Malone is is huge to add to this class because you already had some some day one guys that I think are going to contribute, and now you bring in a guy like Taiwan Malone, probably um, most recent. Uh, Benito Jones was probably the biggest defensive signee um, that Ole Miss has had. And that was back in 2016. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, before that you might have to go back to 2013 with, uh, Robert Kandishi and Tony Connor and, and that class. So, um, it was huge. I, I mean, it, it, it was one guy, you know, it was, it was kind of boring. You had to sit there and wait for three o'clock, but I mean, a hell of a close for, for Lane Kiffin, you know, we joked about, you know, we've seen this movie before, um, Ole doesn't win these battles too often. And uh, it was it was encouraging to see them to be able to go toe-to-toe with uh, a program like A&M and get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, you talked about the the two deep and how they need to be there. I, I think, honestly, of those four signees, Iton, Gordon, Malone, and Robbins, at least two of those guys need to be, like, among the top three players uh, on the defensive line for, for for it to really improve a ton. I mean, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that I don't think they can just be backups and then we'll be, you know, a ton better. I think they they've got to be like the guys that we count on. And and that's a lot of that's asking a lot of of a new player. But you have four players who are promising in that way. Right. And so. Yeah. You know, may, maybe two of them work out immediately. Maybe it's only one. It would be terrible if it was zero. Uh, but but no matter what, you have you have a bunch of guys with high ceilings who can step in and probably make a a big difference down there.
0: Absolutely. All right, we're gonna take our break. Uh, before we do that, I do want to remind you once again: we are in the Davis McCord State Farm Studios. Before you hear from the rest of the sponsors, I do want to. Remind you, uh, Davis McCord State Farm. Uh, you can get good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates. Um, Davis McCord, your one stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Davis McCord is ready to help. Give him a call, 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right. Quick word from the rest of our sponsors when we come back. More with Juco All American talking 2021 signing day.
2: It's Zach again podcast rebellion to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show if you like new orleans inspired cuisine go see kelly english and the good folks in memphis at second line or restaurant iris for some fantastic food and cocktails you can also travel down to the coast to magnolia house in biloxi at harris gulf coast blackjack crap slots southern cooking cocktails what's not to like all three fantastic establishments part of the kelly english restaurant group good food good people good cocktails it can't be beat that second line restaurant iris in memphis and magnolia house in biloxi speaking of good food if you're in oxford go see greg and the good folks at lb's meat market the inaugural sponsor of this year podcast on university avenue across from kroger celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with greg and the rest of the folks there And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials, 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you could go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both, and be sure to check out the rooftop bar which is super awesome has some great views of downtown memphis of the mississippi river uh, you can try their healing station high rye bourbon the memphis toddy the memphis vodka or the new Honeybell bell vodka you can get it all there or at your local package store so celebrate with that healing station bourbon a very small batch high rye bourbon by the folks at old dominic it's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit dark cherry just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866 you can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned it's got a mash bill of 52 percent corn 44 percent rye and 4 percent malt healing station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons so you could do that or you can enjoy a quick taste of memphis toddy before the game this weekend and then you can wind down with that healing station afterwards so like we always say Ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic, and as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi, on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive. And inquire about financing all online if you want to do it a little old school maybe uh conversate via telephone you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new ford today
0: And we are back here on a podcast Rebellion. All right, you go. Uh, I'm, I want to get your thoughts. Um, so real quick, I'll put you on the spot here. If you had to give this class a grade, what kind of grade are you giving it?
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, I think that if I'm looking at it objectively, I would go B. Uh, that is to say that it certainly could have been better. Right. Like, mm-hmm the 2013 class was an A plus. Uh, I guess this is maybe a B plus objectively, but I think that when we consider COVID, uh, the uncertainty of what was happening on the field and what needs there were, what needs were met, that sort of thing, I would give it a solid A. Yeah,
0: I'm right there. I was going to say A or A minus just with, the recruiting cycle and how it was just the most bizarre and the strangest and the most unique that I've ever covered. Um, I mean, with all the factors going in, you can't have official visits. You can't have in-person contact pretty hard to evaluate. Um, you can't go to games to watch people live. Um, you're basically having to go all off of, you know, huddle film or any kind of cut-ups that people send you. Um, but here's why I would give it an A or a minus over a B plus. Um so they ended up signing twenty-five and fourteen signed in December, ten already reported to campus. And if you look at their top six signees, so Hudson Wolf, Braylon Brown, Taiwan Malone, Kendrick Breedlove, Dink Jackson, Taishim Johnson, one, two, three, four of those are defense. So four out of the top six are on the defensive side of the football. Um I think the only reason why I'm not giving this an A or A-plus probably needed to get maybe one or two more linebackers. But, look, I'll I'll say this. I think they like the unit that they have right now. I think there's some potential there. Um, We already talked about Lakia Henry, Jock Jones. I talked about Jack Brown. I think they like what they've got at linebacker. And then, look, you you got Otis Reese for another year who kind of plays that hybrid safety linebacker kind of roaming – playmaker at the second level. Um you also get a guy like Jacob Springer to transfer out of Navy. He's gonna play close to the line of scrimmage. He's gonna give them, you know, kind of a hybrid look there. Um but look man they they absolutely loaded up in the secondary. I mentioned Breedlove. Dink Jackson's probably gonna play a little bit of both. Um mm-hmm. I get a lot of Tony Conner vibes with him just really, really violent at the line of scrimmage, but has the speed and athleticism to play in space so he can maybe play a little strong safety Um, Tysheem Johnson signed early people kind of forget about him one of the bigger signees in this class super versatile Um, but then we talked about Iton Gordon um, up front but then to round out the secondary you get Markevious Brown from IMG you get MJ Daniels from George County DeMarco Williams from Atlanta I mean really 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 good secondary play and then to round it out, you've got Trey Washington, Alabama, and Elijah Sabatini from Biloxi, who Georgia wanted. Um, probably as deep and as strong of a DB class that we've seen Ole this sign in
1: recent years. Yeah, I, I I think you you do expose one issue though, and, and that is linebacker. I mean, if you actually just look yeah. through the if you look through the commitment list, there's not one, and it's not like we're amazing there. Uh, you know, to your point, there. There are players that the coaches like that are already on, on the roster uh, at at those positions that didn't really get a lot of opportunity to shine with a porous defensive line in front of them. Um, But that has to be a point of emphasis in 2022. You know, they, they can't, they can't miss. I mean, if if you, if you think back to Hugh Freeze, right, Hugh Freeze could never get linebackers and, that got us to the point where our linebacking core was atrocious and, you know, was a, was a huge problem and, and made the defense terrible. So we can't allow that to continue or happen again or else we're going to be in the same problem, same boat we were, where we have an awesome offense and a terrible defense.
0: And I think that going back to not being able to evaluate properly and see people in person, I think this is kind of where the staff was kind of, you know, betting on themselves or kind of banking on what they already have and what they've seen on a field. Um, you talk about Jacob Springer. He's been on campus, he's been practicing. Otis Reese, you know, obviously became eligible at the end of the year, um, and made a ton of plays once he was eligible. I think they're kind of banking on that. You know, look, let's let's if there weren't any can't miss guys that we that we can get, let's not press the issue and let's work with what we have and then we'll reset in twenty twenty two. But I agree with you though. They they, they cannot have another cycle like this in 2022 at the linebacker position you've got to reload um and look i'm of the opinion i think far and away number one toughest position to recruit against the blue bloods is defensive tackle Mm -hmm. the the alabama's the lsu's the ohio states the a&m's the florida's all of those schools always want to have defensive tackles and they more you know i forgot clemson wow um clemson you know, is a, is a school that just basically gets whoever they want at defensive line. That's the hardest position. I think two and three are really close. It's probably linebacker and running back in some order um, as far as the most difficult guys to sign when going up against the best of the best. Um, but you've got to get it done. Um, that's the I think the most important position of need in 2022 outside of just getting more defensive linemen because you can never have too many impact guys there. But they have got to get that corrected in 2022 and and go find some guys that can play.
1: Yeah. I'm sure you heard the same thing, but uh, I heard that the point of this class, the 2021 class, the real point of emphasis was just get as many good players as you can, regardless of what they play, you know, but best, player available. Let's Mm -hmm. infuse, infuse the team with talent, have another season, sort out what we actually need, and then, you know, figure out what we should really be targeting from a, from a needs perspective. But I think they just looked at the defense the same way we did. I remember on a podcast months ago uh, talking about like, who's the impact player on defense? You know, like, is there one? And, and there wasn't really. I mean, we saw Otis Reese late and, you know, he made a difference in games and that's great. Uh, A.J. Finley was a difference maker when he uh, caused turnovers. And I know he played a lot and he's a promising Mm -hmm. player and everything, but like there wasn't anybody that was like, Oh, that dude's definitely an NFL player, you know? And I think that I think once, I think that was a realization they had way before we did and just said, we just need to sign as many guys who are good and see if we can shore up a few positions of need. Because going into the season, if you said like, what's our need position on defense, it would be everything. And so, you know, then make it so that next year, when you say, what's our need position on defense, it's, well, we could use pretty much everything, but we've got to get a linebacker or, you know, four linebackers or whatever. uh, So that, so that then Mm -hmm. you can really afford to be a little bit more targeted in in what you're doing.
0: Well, and yeah, and and I agree. I mean, I, I think it's, it was certainly, you know, best player available for most of it. And then obviously in February, all the focus shifted to Malone, but yeah, I mean, Kiffin said as much in his press conference yesterday, he said a lot of guys that are currently on the roster that have spots, they're going to have to work their tails off because these guys coming in are going to be hungry to take their spot. And they're not shy about playing true freshmen. They're going to play the best player that, that they think gives them the opportunity to make plays and to win ball games. And if it's, you know, going to be a returning junior or senior, great. If it's going to be a true freshman, Um, that's never played a game in the SEC, so be it. They're going to do whatever it takes to win. And um, I think that that's a hell of a strategy. And I think it's probably the right one in this unique cycle. There's a lot of unknowns. And look, I mean, just turn the film on and just give an honest assessment. Can this guy come in, produce, and give us something in year one? And if the answer was yes, I mean, I think that that's where they were very methodical with how they offered kids and and who they really went after. Um, And I think that that's what they did. And I think they did a nice job. I mean, top 20 class, um, you were able to sign, I think eight, four stars per rivals rankings. Um, Average star rating was in the top 25 as well. So a very balanced class and look, we're 30 minutes into this podcast, Juco. And we've yet to even talk about the highest rated recruit in the class in Hudson Wolf. Um, As we switch our, Attention over to the offensive side. I mean, is about as good a class as you could get. Um, Hudson Wolf, um, probably a guy that was going to flirt with five-star status until he had um, a minor uh, back surgery to cut his senior season short. 6'6", 235, tight end. Flipped him from Tennessee. That was huge. And then you look at the other top um, offensive signees. Braylon Brown committed really early and almost gets kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, legitimate in my opinion, day one contributor at receiver. I think Ole Miss needs some uh, a presence on the outside. You know what you got in Dontario Drummond and Braylon Sanders? They're kind of a a mixed bag. You know, they can play a little slot. They can play some outside. But if you get somebody like Braylon Brown that's 6'2", 180, can run and can take the top off the defense on the outside, I think that's huge for Matt Corral and and trying to replace the production of Elijah Moore and Tiny Boa. And then, look, Getting Luke Altmaier, uh, I mean, that was huge. Flipping him from Florida State was a long-time Florida State commit. Um, Elite 11 participant. I think that uh, the future is bright for him. He's going to come in. He's going to learn under Matt Corral. He's going to learn under Jeff Levy and Lane Giffen, and uh, should be ready to uh, come in and compete as a redshirt freshman once Matt Corral has departed. So that right there, and then the receiver class is, is pretty damn solid. Um, I mentioned Braylon Brown, but you can also look at Quay Davis, the guy from ICC, I think that was a big pickup, 6'1", 210. And then, um, in my opinion, one of the more underrated guys in his class, J.J. Henry, uh, kind of appears to be somewhat of the heir apparent to the slot position that Elijah Moore occupied. And then another big body, Brandon Buckhalter at 6'3", 210. Um, I think they're going to want to see what he does when he uh, gets into practice. You know, maybe he stays on the offensive side, but, I mean, he's a huge – athletic dude who can really move maybe he plays a little defense I don't know if they're going to kind of you know maybe treat it as like a Nick Brazel type deal where they kind of see which side they like him better on um but I mean at the receiver position I think they did a fantastic job so it, you needed to to really hit defense because that was the glaring issue with this team in 2020 was they just couldn't stop anyone but offensively um as good a class as you can sign
1: yeah I mean I I <laughs> I do wish they had had more success on the offensive line, uh, in, in getting guys sure. that were really, really wanted by a lot of other programs. Uh, that, that's not, that's not to knock those guys. Like I, I think the, the players they did sign are actually fine, but, uh, you know, if, if we're thinking about what it takes to maintain this elite level of offense, sure. It takes a quarterback. It takes a lot of pieces, but I think the offensive line has to continue being really solid and they were, they were quite good this year. I think that, you know, there were times they would, there were times they would break down and all that, but that's just what happens with an offensive line. There are times they get beat. Um, But, you know, I think that my hope is this next class, you, uh, we're not going to see like a uh, Greg Little necessarily, but can we string together a lot of, you know, four star guys that have offers from, other strong programs and then make that work.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that was another thing that I think got lost in the shuffle with, you know, the defense kind of hogged the, uh, the spotlight, if you will, just cause they just couldn't stop anyone. But I mean, you can't really give enough credit to Randy Clements and, and Levy and Kiffin and that offensive line and, and how they were able to, I mean, I don't think anybody really realizes that. I mean, Ole Miss led the SEC in rushing. I mean, right. it, Kiffin, you know, gets all the the fanfare for you know the, the long pass, you know the 91 yarder to Elijah Moore, where he throws the play sheet up, and everybody loves the the deep ball because who doesn't like matching uh, watching Matt Corral throw it 70 yards? I mean that's awesome. But I mean Jerry Neely, Snoop Connor, Henry Parrish, I mean they were able to run the ball extremely well against everybody. Um, I think there was a stat that I, I can't remember the specific stat, but I think it was maybe the first time ever. That Alabama gave up 100-yard rushing games to two guys in the same game, when Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor in that game earlier in the 2020 season. Um, The offensive line was fantastic. You had, you know, it was bookended by uh, Nick Broker and Royce Newman, and then you, you know, kind of shuffled guys around in the in the interior. Ben Brown moved over to center Um, once he kind of got his bearings there. He was fantastic. Um, Jeremy James was a freshman All-American. And then they kind of moved around, you know, Reese McIntyre and Caleb Warren at the other guard slot. But, I mean, they're going to return some guys. I mean, they lose Royce Newman, but you get Broker back. You get Ben Brown back. Um, I look for this offensive line to really be pretty nasty in 2021. And, look, they've still got three spots left, so they could obviously go out in the transfer portal and go get a right tackle. But, but yeah, I mean, if there's a knock on the offensive side, yeah, it's they didn't really get that big – four star guy that everybody wanted. Um I do like what they were able to sign though. Um they got big physical guys that can really run block and they're long. Uh Cedric Nicely out of Georgia 6'5 305. Eric Cade out of Texas 6'7 330 Micah Pettis 6'7 320. Um and Jaden Williams 6'5-260. So long athletic guys that um can really road grade but once they get in the system, I think they'll work on some pass blocking. And, I mean, pass blocking's hard. I mean, it's it's incredibly hard to move from high school to the Power 5 level and pass block effectively. They're, they don't really have Laramie Tunsils growing on trees out there. So that'll be – I think you, you nailed it, though. That'll It'll probably be linebacker and O-line in 2022 if they're really going to go after.
1: Yeah, you know, I think – I don't want to spend too much time on the 2022 class because there's a ton that we don't know. Uh, I, I think that mm-hmm. things are – there's a lot unknown there. There, are, Hopefully, there are a lot of prospects that we haven't really even necessarily identified at the moment. Um, but they've started it well. They have two four-stars committed, uh, and you and I have both heard that there, there's one uh, who – seems kind of likely to be committing relatively soon. I mean, I I haven't heard a date or anything like that, but, uh, it seems like, or maybe not even committing, but somebody who's leaning our way, it seems like in my opinion, Kamari Rogers is, uh, is Mm -hmm. leaning our way. And, uh, so then you're talking about another four star, I think on rivals, he's the number one player in the state of Mississippi. Is that right? Yeah. So, so, um, you know, starting off really strong. Uh, and you have to think that getting a player like Taiwan Malone at this point and being able to point to that level of player signing with Ole Miss on the defensive side of the ball should, should be helpful in getting more defend defenders to actually take up our offer and and come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they're going to approach 2022 much differently. I think there's a push for the dead period to end in April. Um, Right now it's it's slated to end in June, but um who knows what's gonna happen um outside of college football with the real world and, and vaccinations and things like that. Uh I think we uh, I think we speak for everyone that we really hope that the dead period's up in April, um, because that would mean that things are getting somewhat back to normal, which would be great for everyone, regardless of, of college athletics. Um but yeah, I mean I think that they're gonna be really aggressive and they're gonna try to build momentum early to continue this wave. Cause I mean, Taiwan Malone was a big deal um, announced for Ole Miss on national television, on ESPN. That was big. I think that that resonates with, with recruits where it's that 2013 effect, you know, where it's like, man, Ole Miss is getting this guy. Like maybe I should give them a, a, a you know, a little bit more of a, uh, of a deeper look. Um, we know what Lane Kiffin brings, you know, he, the, the cachet that he has is just through the roof. Um, so, you know, he's going to be able to, to get in with some big name guys. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing is you're going to have to really capitalize on that momentum and uh, really not miss in 2022. This is kind of the class that they've been building towards to be that, you know, top 10 class where they can really make some noise and and build into 2023. Cause look, I mean, as we close here, Juco, I think the schedule sets up really nice in 2021 for them to, uh, you know, kind of take that next step into that next tier in the SEC. Um, you go five and five, you win the outback bowl against a really good Indiana team. I think it's time for Olness with the schedule that they have, with the non-conference games that they're gonna have the ability to win. I don't think it's out of the question to say that they could potentially get into that eight-nine win conversation.
1: I don't either. I I think that you know things have to go our way on the defensive side of the ball in terms of like who mm-hmm. ends up being able to be a contributor. For that, for that to make sense, but uh, I looked at the schedule the other day and, man, I hate doing this, but I actually didn't have a problem with getting to 10 wins. Um, I, mean, I don't think that's I, crazy either. I mean, again, like, you know, it's definitely possible that, to get to only seven too. I'm just saying that like 10 is not like outside of the window of, of possible no. outcomes.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you return... In my opinion, I think you're with me here, probably the best quarterback in the SEC. Yeah. Um, led the country in yards per game. The offense was top five in yards per game. If the defense can just get a couple ticks better, I mean, look, 10 is not crazy. I think you look at the schedule, Alabama and A&M are really the only two teams that I think are, you know, you could probably say those are losses. The rest of the games, though, you can win them. So, this – this 2021 class only helps you in building towards being a legitimate contender in the West. So it was a, uh, it was a big day for Ole Miss. And um, I'm excited for, for what 2021 is going to bring. It's going to be fun. Hopefully we have more people in the stands. Hopefully we have, uh, you know, a regular Grove, so it'll be exciting. Um, but that's going to do it here for podcast Rebellion National Signing Day recap. Thank you to Juco for joining, giving us his thoughts. Thanks again to Davis McCord State Farm for sponsoring the studio thanks to all our other lovely sponsors for making this show possible and thank you to you the listener for tuning in um for juco over there i'm zach this has been podcast rebellion thank y'all for listening we out.